Hello and welcome to the Victorious Living Christian Counseling Podcast. My name is Crystal Riblin, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Indiana and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri. Victorious Living is not only a dream, but a real possibility through Jesus Christ. For today's podcast, I have a guest speaker. She has been a friend for well, uh, probably over 20 years. I met her shortly after I got married at a church where we both attended at the time. Um, and so today she's going to join me. I'm going to take a moment to introduce her. Terry, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, good. So let me introduce you real quick. Um, Terry is a Ramsey preferred coach. She owns Horn Financial Coaching. She has been a Christian since she was five years old. She's married to John for almost 27 years. She has a son named JB who is 22 years old, who is on the autism spectrum. Um, she also owns two businesses, Horn Financial Coaching and Cali Company Entertainment, where they decorate um, for events, large and small, provides balloon twisting and face painting. And the pandemic, I'm sure, has impacted this business quite a bit, huh? Yes, a lot. <laughs> I bet not many people are having real parties, are they? No, unfortunately, not right now. <laughs> I bet not. So, um, Terry, I'm going to let you kind of say hello and introduce yourself a little bit more and tell me kind of what led you into being a Ramsey preferred coach. Sure. Thank you so much, Crystal. I appreciate this opportunity. So um, if you go back almost 27 years ago when my husband and I were getting ready to get married, we didn't know anything about money. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. We had family there's like, oh, you got to get credit cards. You got to build up your credit. You need to buy a house and all these different things. And um, but we just didn't know what we were doing. And we, we listened to it, all sorts of advice and um, by the time our son was born, um, we'd been through a lot and, um, but we hadn't learned how to handle our own money. So, you know, um, he was born premature and I had to quit my job. I was on bed rest for a while. And so we went down to one income and we really felt like the Lord was leading us to do that, but things were really tight. And then we got ourselves in a bind. We had bought a mobile home before he was born and then when it was time to move out of that, we couldn't get rid of it and we didn't know what to do. And we ended up declaring bankruptcy and oh, man. it was, it was heart wrenching. It's interesting because this was all about the time I had just met you probably yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but we just, we didn't know what to do at the same time. My husband was diagnosed as bipolar. I had always seen some little things that made me wonder. And then when our son was born and, um, got the autism diagnosis, just, I think my husband had developed amazing coping skills, um, cause mm -hmm. he grew up in the home of somebody with bipolar <laughs> and, mm -hmm. but when it came to managing for himself and our son, it was too much. And so he, um, sought help and we're very open about it because there shouldn't be a stigma, um, getting help right. would be just the automatic natural thing to do and it shouldn't be a big deal um so I agree we um wholeheartedly yeah <laughs> exactly um so but we had gone through a period where um we had gotten some credit cards before we declared bankruptcy and um that's the first time I really saw like an extended manic episode um thankfully you know his bipolar is probably mild to moderate and he's very good about managing it um following what the doctors recommend and taking care of himself and um but you know there were times when the spending was out of control and um I can't say that I was much better as a mom who was stressed with trying to keep a home together trying to figure out the finances um and raising a child on the spectrum and dealing with all that that involved, whether it was therapy appointments or um, because of he was premature and had some other health conditions. You know, it seemed like we were always at a doctor's office. Um, so it was easy to eat out and put it on the credit card. Um, my husband would be like, oh, you're stressed. Go, go to get a pedicure, you know, um, which are all great 
things. Um, but we just, we weren't handling our money. And so that's what led to the bankruptcy. And, um, yeah, that was just heart wrenching for us because we want to be people of integrity and we felt like that damaged our integrity. Mm Um, so after that, we, 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 swore we weren't going to do credit cards again and praise the lord we we did keep that commitment but over time slowly we got a 401k loan because we didn't have an emergency fund and something came up then it was a car accident which led to um, a car loan that we weren't planning we thought oh we're going to get enough money to pay for the car from the insurance company well then something else came up and so we ended up with a car loan and paying on it for months when we were like oh no we're going to pay this off right away And um, so the clincher for us was we went on vacation and at one point we had no money. That's not a good feeling, is it? No, especially when you're out of state and there's only so much (laughs) gas in the tank and there's nowhere to stay. Thankfully, we weren't far from friends and, um, you know, it was just and, and payday was coming up. It was just like 24 hours later. But in the meantime, we're just like, we don't have the money for a hotel room and uh, that was our 25th wedding anniversary trip <laughs> that we had planned for. And we had saved and um, there was just some things we had, some mistakes we made. And um, so on the way home, I, we just were having a long conversation. Our anniversary is always a time to kind of reflect on the last year and plan goals for the next year. And I just said, we can't do this. You know, something's got to give. Um, I don't know what we need to learn, but we, there's something we're missing. We had listened to Dave Ramsey on the radio for a long time and had been using envelopes for our cash items. And we were writing down a budget every month, but it really didn't have anything to do with what was actually happening in the checking account. And um, so we signed up for Financial Peace University and figured out the missing pieces for us. One was a why. Um, anytime you have a goal, there's got to be a why behind it. You know, why do you want to get healthy? Why do you want to create better habits? Um, those whys are really important. And so we both realized that um, God has created this to give and be generous. But because we were mismanaging our money, we couldn't give and be generous. And so mm-hmm. that became one of our whys. Um, another is, you know, we we want to set a good example for our son. Um, so as we went through Financial Peace University, um, I still would have never said I'll become a financial coach. <laughs> um, I'm definitely not the math nerd in the family. Um, but we decided to lead one during the pandemic. And I, it just really lit within me the idea that if I could help other people relieve that money stress that we had been dealing with for 25 years... Um, you know, figuring out how to budget and work together changed our marriage. It it changed the atmosphere of our home. Um, it's, you know, it's done so much positive for us. Even when the pandemic hit, um, we were impacted by it. Obviously, you know, my business, which was my income that I was bringing to the family, literally overnight went from booming to bust. Um, wow. You know, and then, um, so we, we, we picked up side hustles because John's job was also impacted by it. And we just didn't want to lose the momentum on getting out of debt. Um, and so we worked really hard, but, um, in October I went to business boutique conference in Nashville with some friends and I've been before and I love it. And it's amazing for women entrepreneurs, um, whether you want it to be a side hustle or your main income. Um, It's just chock full of great information, but there was part of my heart that just felt like I don't really have a business right now because of the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. that had to be a rough feeling. Yeah. And it was like, part of me was really enjoying it. And part of me was really getting depressed. (laughs) And, um, but you know, there's a lot of inner, um, inner reflection going on at that conference and Christy Wright, who puts that on, she's a Dave Ramsey personality. She had a new book coming out. Um, it's a devotional called Living True, Getting Back to You. And so a lot of the conference was focused on that kind of stuff, not just the business aspect of our lives. And um, so I was really praying about it and asking the Lord, you know, um, the side hustles we've been doing are good. But it's like I, a year from now, I don't want to be doing that the side hustle necessarily, not 
20, 30 hours a week. And um, so I started just kind of um, playing with the idea that there was something else that God wanted me to do. And um, the first thought, you know, as I was there, I was praying about it, it was life coaching. And um, as I researched that, that's kind of, um, there's a whole gamut when it comes to life coaching. You know, you could do it for $7 or $7,000 and everything in between. And I really couldn't find a standard to judge what a quality program was and a worthwhile investment. And because we are trying to get out of debt, we were, you know, being careful with how much we invested in something like this. And um, John was listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio and he was talking about their financial coaching program. And so we both kind of sat on on a webinar about that and prayed about it and decided that this was a really good fit because even though I'm not a math nerd, personal finance is 20% head knowledge and 80% behavior. And I'm definitely a behavior focused person. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, getting into the why behind the questions and what really motivates me and other people. And so I did the training and then I was given the opportunity to do more training and become a Ramsey preferred coach. And, um, I've just fallen in love with coaching. Um, as I look back, I've done a lot of it all of my life. It was just never in any formal setting. Um, and, you know, seeing people discover, what's going on with the deeper uh, motivations in their hearts and in their minds and helping them see that it doesn't have to be that way, you know? And I always tell people if John and I can learn to work together on a budget and track it and follow it every month, anybody can, because we just um, had not been taught that growing up mm-hmm. and we didn't learn it in school. And then as life came, we were learning bits and pieces, but never getting the whole puzzle. And so financial peace really put that whole puzzle together for us of how to do it. And then, um, so I've gone on to lead a couple more financial peace university classes. Um, you know, and one of my passions is helping people with families with special needs children, because I look back on our parenting and think, man, if we had not had the financial stress, that probably would have changed our whole Um, parenting experience in a lot of ways because our son's really sensitive to the emotions going on around him and so that stress wasn't helping anything (laughs) and just for money stress can really weigh us down it can and you know and I never blame anybody we we don't know what we don't know and depending on our environment growing up just in our life experiences we may like I said, I, I was 50 years old and really for the first time learned how to write a good budget and track it um, and follow it. And um, this made a huge difference. And part of us is, you know, we want to go back and say, if only I'd known this sooner, but I'm like, no, God has planned every step of this journey. And this was the time that he had planned for us to get it together. finally, <laughs> And, um, and that's what I love about Dave Ramsey's program is it is Bible-based. Um, as a coach, I'm encouraged to share not only the financial information and help people kind of figure out on their, you know, for themselves what, what they need to do and how to dream and set goals, but also to share the love of Jesus with them. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, there's nothing better than being able to do what you do for the Lord and to be able to encourage others and lead them to Jesus. It's a pretty powerful, um, amazing connection. So I was thinking about some scriptures that we could, I always like to throw in some scriptures. Um, we're going to go to Hebrews thirteen five. keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I think like that is a great scripture for like thinking about how to get our finances in control. Like we do have to get to a level where we're content in Jesus and not necessarily needing, you know, the next cool technology gadget or a bigger house or a fancier car. Just being content with the blessings that God's given us and with him filling us um, with his love 
and his yeah. provisions. Um, and that's what I love, like in Financial Peace University, um, they teach, you know, that first of all, we're stewards, God owns it all. Um, second of all, we're to have an open hand. We're, we're not to have a closed fence clinching onto things um, and money. Um, and and um, it's really cool. And the last lesson, um, Financial Peace is a nine week class. The last one um, is really focused on how you can live differently from other people by being debt free. Um, but part of that is being very generous and um, they tell story after story and it just brings tears to the whole class's eyes of how when you're not in debt, you, you have the freedom that when the Holy Spirit says do something, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you can give incredibly generously. Um, and um, that's that's a big goal for me. Um, they talk about in the Jewish tradition, uh, they have what's called a kiddush cup and it's pretty much a goblet, but it has a tray under it. And the Jews pray that God would fill their cup to overflowing so that out of that overflow, they can take care of the needs of the people around them. And, um, I think that's just such a lovely example, um, Mm -hmm. how we should be living our lives. Like Lord filled me up so I can be poured out and give to other people. And, um, it's sometimes, you know, especially when you're first learning and excited and seeing the changes, it kind of feels like you could bump into the loving money, but it's not really about loving money. It's about controlling it, not letting it control you. And when we don't tell our money where to go, then we wonder where it went. (laughs) It's one of Dave's famous quotes. And then we're controlled by it. You know, we're up at night, not sleeping well, because we're worried about how are we going to pay the bills? Um, an emergency comes up and we're stressed and um, can't focus on just being there for the people that need us because we're worried about money. Um, all the implications are, are um, you know, right there. And it's like, if I don't have to worry about it, um, you know, my faith in God and my faith that he's going to provide is there. Um, but he also calls us to have wisdom. And uh, I think, mm-hmm. you know, that was it's like, oh, it's really nice to finally at this age be um, getting some of that wisdom. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. I was debating whether to tell you this little funny story about financial peace, um, but I think I will because it is kind of funny. And um, we were in financial peace, uh, like, I don't know, it was many, many years ago. And um, the guy that was leading it was absolutely boring. Like I have ADD and he, he spoke monotone, like real low, no life. And I'm like, I was literally felt like I was dying and suffocating because this guy was so boring. And so my, I was like, so bored. I got out my cell phone and I started looking at Zulily and I'm not kidding you, Terry. This is why you are the expert on finances and why I brought you on, because this is not one thing I will ever say that I'm expert on. So my husband, Robert, he looked over at me and he said, are you seriously shopping in the financial peace class? And I said, I'm yeah. at peace. <laughs> so it's a it funny, is funny story. That's awesome. Um, but I really, I wasn't at peace at that moment. Like, I mean, I was distracted because the guy was boring in that sense. But as far as the reason we were there, it was absolutely every month. Like, I mean, there was a point we moved into a house where the well broke and it was going to cost $12,000 to fix it. And we literally in those moments just were like, I had lots of tears and just trusting God to provide for us. And he did. So thankfully, um, he could have, we, you know, it could have been way worse. God always provided, but there was a lot of stress in some of those times. Um, and so I think that it's important to help people to, to hear this message about the peace and the, you know, having financial peace spreads out into all these other areas of our lives. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's my funny yeah. story for well, you. And now you know, what I would recommend is do you just budget for that shopping? And as long as you two agree on it, you're good to go. Um, 
Well, now yeah. we're doing years great. Ago. That was many years <laughs> but, ago. Know. Whenever we were just starting to, and actually what we ended up doing was we ended up meeting with somebody personally, like a financial, you know, maybe yeah. somebody like you. And for me, that was better um, because the guy wasn't monotone. And he actually sat down. We had yeah. to pay for him. Um, and, but it was well worth it. Like he literally, you know, picked apart, so to speak, our finances and what we were spending our money on. And um, thankfully, I, you know, around that time started to have more. I had just graduated and it started once I started billing insurance um, and people started to find out we were able to, you know, pay off a lot more oh, yeah. two incomes. Um, and so that helped a lot. And, uh, but also just, I realized looking back, I had like a, maybe a little bit of a shopping addiction. And I remember feeling extreme guilt every time I would leave the store with stuff that I didn't need. And knowing what I know about addictions, it's God started to convict my heart. And so now I try really hard to be like, if, if I'm in a store, I really think about, is there any guilt that I have about buying this item? Is there anything that's uncomfortable? Because I've realized that there's nothing worth having that you have to leave having a a horrific feeling inside. You know what I mean? Um, And that's like, I don't like the term retail therapy because the only person that benefits from that is the retailer. You know, you might feel good at the moment, exactly. you know, but then when you get home, especially if, you know, you have debt following you that purchase, you know, the guilt is, is tremendous. And, um, and that's one of the, I remember early in our marriage, Robert said something like, he's like, why don't you just do this? Just go to target, put anything in your cart you want. Just put it all in there. Have a great time. But then leave it at the front of the store and walk out. <laughs> that would be pretty fun until they started to see on the camera this yeah. crazy person who kept coming in their store filling up the cart. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and like with John, um, because we do know um, about the bipolar and that there are some tendencies there to want to spend some and I think overall he's probably a saver but you know with bipolar if he gets manic then it's easy um so we just we make sure we have a monthly budget meeting we agree on what we're going to spend um if he were to have an like a manic episode you know he would just hand me the debit card so that there wasn't a risk um and then when I felt like okay yep you can you're in control again then he could have it back um, you know, so there's strategies to put in place. Um, you know, we have an agreement. Any purchases really over like $30, $40, we talk about it. Um, you know, it kind of depends on your income and what your goals are. You can adjust that to what you're comfortable with. But mm-hmm. for us, it's about working as a team. Um, and um, that was, I think, the funnest part is when you really get to like dream, like, what do we want our life to look like in five, 10 years? Um, what do we want retirement to look like? Um, and then what do we have to do now to get there? And, um, one of our things is, you know, we see people that are retiring with, with really no money and it's sad, you know, um, people like, Oh, you know, I, I, I'm retired. I'm on a fixed income, you know? And so, you know, one of the motivations for us is we don't want that or to have people, um, you know, we've heard about people who come to depend on their children to take care of them in retirement. That's pretty much their retirement plan. And we don't want to do that either, <laughs> you know. Right. And we don't want to rely on Social Security because that no, is not working and, very uh, good. And it's not enough. Um, you know, Social Security is not providing enough. For anybody to have a, a nice quality of life in retirement, um, if you're just depending on Social Security, unfortunately, you're just going to scrape by, and um, we don't want that. And so, um, to kind of to have a dream session and to you know say what do we want, and, you know, and work together on that dream, you know, just brings us closer together, keeps us focused on our goals. So those days when you know we're working long hours and we're tired, it's like 
this is hard, but it's going to pay off in the long run. You know, we're not going to be working these kind of jobs in retirement just to eat. <laughs> That's our main goal. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and I have a friend who I love dearly. And a couple of years ago, she was working in a really toxic environment. She was really unhappy and she was ready to retire. And um, this was a life-changing statement she made to me. I said, why, why can't you retire? And she says, Terry, we already spent the money. They were in debt. Uh-oh. And so she could not leave this toxic work environment because they'd already spent the money. And I think God just really used that as a wake-up call to me. Like, am I spending my future away? You know, make, making my future self have to work in a job I don't like in a toxic environment because I already spent the money. And um, so that's, um, that's a good point. And doesn't Ramsey say that you should have like six months? One of the goals is to have six months. Yeah. Of, so Ramsey um, teaches the like, seven baby steps. And the first one is a thousand dollar starter emergency fund. Step two is to get all your debts. Um, it's called the debt snowball. You start with the smallest and work your way to the largest and get those all paid off. Step three is a three to six month emergency fund. So it's three to six months of your expenses, what it takes to run your house every month. Um, and then four, five, and six are safe for retirement. 15% of your income um, goes into retirement. If you have kids that you're going to help pay for college, you start funding um, those things for them. And um, six is paying extra on the house. Um, and you do those three simultaneously. The first three you do one at a time. And then you do those last three simultaneously. And then baby step seven is when you're completely debt-free, including the house. And then you budget your money. There's so much you can have fun with. Um, there's so much that you can um, invest for your future. You're going to continue um, your retirement savings and probably increase it. And then um, the best thing you can do with money is give it away. And so giving is a very big part of that. And, um, you know, and sometimes people need to learn how to be generous. Um, you know, mm-hmm. our, our society, I think, wants people to be generous, but at the same time doesn't teach us how to be generous. And, uh, Yes. And to be wisely generous, exactly, like not exactly. enablers, <laughs> but like you know, giving to yeah, you know, I have several ministries that like we have some. Well, I have several ministries. Focus on the family, June Hunt are a few of them. Hope for the heart; those are a few that I support every month. And then we have some missionaries that we support, and yeah, and then tithe, right? So like trying to be good stewards of what God's given us. I remember um, this was a really cool thing that God did when my son, my oldest son, you know him, he's done some (laughs) yard work for you, Robbie. Um, He was about nine years old and we were walking out of a grocery store and Salvation Army had their bell ringers and he felt God tugging at him to give his money and all he had was a five dollar bill and so he looked at me and he said mom should I give this it's all I have and I said it depends do you feel like God's telling you to give it and he said <laughs> kind of yeah like he was struggling with whether yeah. to give all of his five dollars and I said to him I said Robbie if God's telling you to give it and you give it he promises that he will reward us even more with the blessing of giving. And also oftentimes he rewards us with even more when we have a generous heart financially and um, you know, with other things. And so he, I saw him kind of wrestle with this one. Like it's completely up to you, buddy. Um, He put the $5 in the little, you know, (laughs) the Salvation Army tin and we walked to the car and I kid you not, there was a $10 bill that was just in the middle of the parking lot under our car. Like, and I, he goes, mom, and I said, hey, buddy, it looks like God's really teaching you that he's got you. And he's just thanking you for listening to him. It was such an awesome, like testimony of just how God is 
God doesn't need the money. He uses us because he's doing something in us when we give and teaching us that his provisions are always there and that we can give freely because of what Christ has already done for us and knowing that he's going to provide for us. And Matthew 6 goes all into, you know, we don't have to worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Why do we worry about what we will eat or drink? Because God takes care of the creatures of the fields, the lilies. How much more does he care about us? That's just a brief summary. Um, But I love that story. And I'm just so thankful that God gave it to us in that way. Yeah. It's amazing how he does that. And I look back so many times. And even when we just were making really poor choices with our money, God always took care of us. We we were never hungry. Um, But I think he really allowed us to experience a lot of that so that we could help other people. Um, not have to go through that, help them get out mm-hmm. of it. So um, I think it's so important and money, you know, impacts every area of our lives. And then if we're struggling with depression or other mental health issues, um, it just exacerbates it. Um, so um, just seeing how truly we can have financial peace through handling money God's way um, just brings such um, peace to the rest of our lives too. Um, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun to see God work right. um, through all that. Well, if you, yeah. And if I was thinking of first Timothy 610 that says for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It's just amazing how much the Bible talks about yeah, the money. It's and how like if we're serving money, there's like that, you know, I think I just read that one about like yeah. the love of where is it? Like I'm trying to no one can serve two masters for either. He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You yeah. cannot serve God and money. Matthew six twenty four. Like there's just so many, like if we are, if we're living in this stress about finances, it's really going to impact us in other ways. Because really, I believe that the way we spend money is highly indicative of where our heart is. So they always, I remember the guy that, this was a hard lesson, a hard truth that I had to hear from yeah. the guy who helped us financially. Um, but he said something about like, if you want to get an idea of where your heart is, just take yeah. a good long look at your checkbook. Exactly. Right? Like, what yeah. are you spending your money on? And um, one that really hit me is Proverbs 22, 7. And um, in the ESV version it says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender and um, you know when my friend had to keep working and couldn't retire it's because she was they were enslaved because of their debt and um, I don't want that for anybody Um, and our society makes it you know in marketing make it seem really easy and no big deal, um, whether it's a kid applying for college and they just say, oh, here's the promissory note. And when my husband went back to college, we said, we're going to do it debt free. We're not taking out student loans. And we even told the people at the school, that's what we're doing. And literally the person handing him the forms didn't know the promissory note was you were signing and agreeing to taking a student loan and paying it back. It was just that it was just one of the forms you had to sign. And I'm like, no, we just said we're not taking out a student loan. We don't need the promissory note. And he really didn't get it. And um, or uh, I just was reading a thing about a college student. They're like 20, 21 years old. And they were declaring bankruptcy because they'd gotten so many credit cards when they went to school and then couldn't pay them back. And it's like the rest of your life, you're going to have to say that you declared bankruptcy. Um, It can impact things like security clearances. If you want to work for the government, 
um, different things like that. And it's like, we're not teaching young people the dangers of it. And I have so many people tell me, and this is, you know, oh, I just put everything on it, the credit card for the month, and I pay it off at the end of the month. Well, that's great if it works for you, but there's two problems with it. Things like COVID, I mean, a year ago, we everything shut down. What if you lost your job and you had all these bills on the credit card <laughs> and no income or you, right. you're, you know, and studies show that, um, you spend more on with the credit card. Um, it doesn't trigger the same areas of the brain that you're spending money. Like when you spend cash, that's the best because there's a, physiological response to that cash leaving you um debit cards don't quite have the same impact but it's very it's still similar it's closer because you know the money's got to be in the account for that one but a credit card doesn't really trigger Mm -hmm. any physiological response in your brain that you're spending money and so it makes it so easy to you know rack up those credit cards and um Sure does. I remember when we were doing the cash system, when we were really actively like trying hard uh-huh. to get out of debt, we were seeing that guy. And when I would go to the grocery store, it was so much harder for me to hand over like $186 in cash or whatever. Like it almost made me want to cry right there at the, the cash register. But when I would hand over a card, it didn't have that same, like, you know, it's kind of like that feeling is there to kind of keep us in check and to help us to be more mindful. It's, um, and so it, it does, it, it has such an, a difference in the way that we, the mindset that we have when we're spending. Well, my oldest is telling us now he wants to get a Menards credit card so that he can build up his credit, which we, we agree you have no credit score until you have credit. Um, but we're really nervous for him because we remember being young and in that place where we were like, you know, we just, so we just, we tell him like, Hey, like we understand that, you know, what eventually he wants to do some things like flipping house and, all these things. And in order to get a loan to do that, he has to be able to, well, know, there's actually a way credit. to do it that he doesn't so we get it, have but we're also quick to um, teach him. Yeah. So it's called manual under, oh, underwriting. Really? Um, not every lender will do it, but there are quite a few, especially if it's something more local. Um, and so instead of just plugging everything into a computer and um, your credit score is mostly based on how much, debt you have, how much, um, how long you've had debt and how you've paid it back. Um, and it really is just about an I love debt score. Um, it, it's never an indication that somebody's financially doing well. Um, lots of people have really good scores, but can't sleep mm-hmm. at night because they're trying to figure out how to pay all their bills. Um, they're figuring it out. So their score stays good. Um, but you don't know what they're sacrificing to get that done either. Um, but manual underwriting is a great option. Um, the biggest thing there is having bills in his name so that he can show that he's paying, um, those bills on time or early. Um, but it is possible. And I think that's one of the things where, um, we do, uh, the banks tell us, oh, you have to have a credit score and here you have to have a credit score and we'll be happy to give you a credit card so you can start doing that. Um, and that's what, and one of the things I, I love shopping at Menards. I, I get all sorts of things there. It's kind of crazy. And um, the things like it's our first, our go-to place for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have everything. Exactly. It's like the yeah, stuff like, mart. I was telling somebody like, I need to get coffee. So I need to go to Menards. And they looked at me weird. And I'm like, yep. Great deals on coffee. Do you ever see the, the yeah. old Veggie Tales Madam Blueberry? And she got caught. If you yes. haven't seen that, folks, you need to watch this. It was so funny. Every time we would go to a store, still, we're like, if it's a big store, yeah. my husband would be like, stop. <laughs> and have great like, tales. 
Yeah, she's just great moral to the story. Fill, yeah, she would just fill up her house in the tree and until she was finally never she happy. had so much stuff, her tree fell down. That stuff never made her happy. Uh, nope, it was a great never lesson. happy. Um, we can't fill ourselves with stuff. That's one thing. Um, I have a, a little project that I do with clients in the office to help them to get an idea of like, what are they uh-huh. using to fill up their God-sized hole? That inside of each of us, we have a God-sized hole. God put it there on purpose because he wants us to know that only he alone can fill it. And so we try to fill it with all these other things. So I put like a shape inside a circle, which is the circle is the soul. And inside I put a shape and then I write shapes on the outside that don't fit that shape. And I'm like, what are the different things that you're working and trying to fill your your God-sized hole with? And for some people, it's drugs, relationships, um, friendships, my marriage, uh-huh. education, right? what we learned from Ecclesiastes is that none of those things actually fill us. It's all meaningless, but the more we try to fill it up, the bigger the hole feels and the more hopeless we get. And that's why I really like that (laughs) veggie tales. I wasn't planning on moving into the whole veggie tales, but um, that's what my kids grew up watching. And so some of those life lessons we learned from some of those. Yeah. Well, we need those because there's a billion dollar industry trying to convince us that every time we go to a store we need to use that store's credit card to get a discount and some of these stores I feel like they're really not in to selling you merchandise it's all about the credit Mm -mm. and that's where it's made it not fun for me to go shopping like I remember I mean this is a story all the time but I remember one time last week I went to a store and I was checking out and you know I know they have to ask I think it was Sam's Club. And I'm like, I'm already spending. I when Every time I go to Sam's Club, I spend way more than I want to anyway. So I'm already like, uh-oh, I kind of went overboard. And then she's like, would you like to, you know, open a credit card? Well, then, of course, you're like, well, I'm spending more than I want to. So yeah. then you kind of have that, like, you know. And I said, no, thank you. Thanks yeah. for asking, but no. And then she kept pressuring me. She's like, well, you could you know, get $15 off. And I'm like, I said, no. And I'm like, and then finally, this is what I said. I'm like, look, I've already been there and done that. And now I'm well on my way of digging myself out of that hole. And I'm not going to dig my way back in. I understand that you have to ask me, but I am not going to open a credit card. Thank you. (laughs) Like, and they can't respond to that. They're like, Oh yeah. This is somebody on the other side of yeah. You know, well, and, I'm not falling and for that line anymore. A rock and a hard place. Um, I don't know that everybody's aware of this, but a lot of these places, in order to get hours on the schedule, you have to get so many credit card applications. They're required to ask a lot of places, like, and get three no's before they can stop asking you about getting a credit card. Um, and so I have a friend who's. Um, child worked for one of them and I was just like I'm so annoyed I go into the store and they're always like she's like oh no you have to understand they are required to ask three times oh. and get three no's before they can stop asking and if they don't get enough credit card applications in the week the next week their hours are cut you know what we need to do we need to start a movement Terry where basically instead of getting mad at the mm-hmm. cashier because they're just doing what they're told to do. We need to yeah. start going and yeah, calling because it's all complaining coming from the corporate. It. And like I said, I don't, you know, they're as the consumer. I don't care if it's old Navy or target or Sam's or Menards. They're no longer in the business of selling you an item. It's all about the credit because that's where they really make the money. Well, it's that yeah. whole concept of greed. It's never enough. Like, even though Walmart is like, you know, all these stores are making buku dollars just right. by you going and shopping, it's not enough, right? Like, you have to start trying But the first to thing is just to be aware of how they do and so it, makes sense. you know, and, and what's going on behind it. So, yeah, that we're not mad at that cashier who just wants to work enough hours to take care of their family. You know, they want to put food on the table and this is what they've got to do. Right. I mean, good point. You know, but it's just, it heart, it, it breaks my heart because um, I knew somebody that worked at a casino briefly 
and they were like the last draw for them was when somebody came in and said hey you know we bankrupted so and so you know you know because they were supporting the gambling addiction you know not just supporting but encouraging it and it was like a badge of honor and the person I knew was like I can't do this it hurts my soul and uh yeah well gambling addiction is just heart-wrenching I've had a family member who had a serious gambling addiction and I remember one time going on to the boat to try to get this person off guess who came yeah. all away yeah. all upset and with no person <laughs> yeah yeah it's like and it entraps you but I think marketing is doing a lot of it's the pretty same crazy. things so um, shopping that gambling has done to keep you ensnared and it's it's heartbreaking because at True. that moment, the person using that credit card never thinks, oh, this is going to ruin my life. You know, just like, yeah, exactly. Well, we thought it was going to help us, right? Yeah. Early on, we thought this was the answer. Um, and honestly, in some ways, like I, my husband went back to grad school and he worked as much as he could, but he was getting his PhD and and I had, I had just, we had made a commitment before we got married that regardless, I was going to do my best to stay home with the kids because I did not want to have to put them in daycare if I didn't have to. This was just a, a conviction that I had and that we both had talked about. And so I said, I'm completely okay with you going back to school, but uh, I don't want to put the kids in. So sometimes I would work in the evening or the weekends, like I would do what I could. Um, and so in some ways, I honestly don't regret, you know, some of the debt that we ended up having to pay off later. I feel like for me, it was worth it. Um, but yeah. a lot of it wasn't necessary. Right. So like looking back, like figuring out like probably, I don't know, 75% of the debt we had later was probably unnecessary. Yeah. Um, but I think like. For us, the sacrifice yeah. was worth it because well, I did that's where stay home with every my children and know themselves um, and and make their decisions. And I, that's like one of the things that, as a coach, I really work on. It's not my job to say, "Don't get that credit card." It's my job to say, "What are some other options?" Okay. You know, let's look at those choices, um, and you know. Yeah, maybe you're going to have to work a little bit harder to buy that house because you don't have a credit score. So you're going to have to find a lender to do manual underwriting. Um, maybe you're going to have to save up to get that phone or that thing. But don't you think it will feel even better to have it once, you know, you've worked for it? Um, you know, but that's a great thing. That's actually one thing we teach our kids. Like if they want yeah. a car they have to pay for a good majority of it. Um, if they want a phone, like, well, we don't yeah. even let them get smartphones until they're well into high school. But <clears throat> once we feel like they're responsible enough, we have to teach them how to use it. So yeah, the rule is exactly. if you want it, you have to buy I mean, it because they break nature. it. <laughs> you know, if, if it didn't cost us anything, then we don't really value it. And um, so, mm -hmm. yeah. That's the same way it is with therapy. Like I, I used to, when I first started out, it was more, you know, it's still a ministry, but early on I was just trying to build up a clientele. So I would, I would counsel people for free. Yeah. And what I found is they didn't exactly. really put in the effort because they're skin in the game. So if exactly. we have to work hard for something, we're going to be better that, stewards. So of it. Said, you know, with coaching, it's, um, you know, I, it's not my job to tell people what to do and what not to do, but I can educate them, um, encourage them, um, help them set goals, hold them accountable for the decisions they make. Um, but it's not my job to say, you know, I, I've got one right now that uh, it's like lots of debt, like, but I, I need to go on a vacation. I need that. And I'm like, don't really think that's a need in my opinion <laughs> but it's up to you to decide do you want to be in debt this right. much longer because you want your vacation <laughs> you know and it's like you know that's 
so, you know, my job is to kind of say, well, let's look at how much you want to spend on vacation and, you know, how much longer are you going to be in debt if you're doing these nice vacations every year because you need it, quote unquote. Um, so. Exactly. And I think like, you know, of course, anytime we're in a helping field, we're going to find that. Yes. We need to offer the truth and um, the advice and love, but also like I, I always let people know that you exactly. know, I'm not going to be upset with you. Your job is not to please me. Yeah. I'm just trying to help you yeah. get your life back. Um, right. So like there's a lot of good things. Well, it yeah. sounds like you're doing great things. Carrie, um, what if everybody wanted to um, contact you for financial coaching? How can email they email at Horn, H-O-R-N-E, financial coaching um, at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Horn Financial Coaching. Um, and those are the easiest ways um, to just reach out and ask to get on the schedule. And I can send you a link. Uh, that'll show availability and um, I offer complimentary consultation. Um, so we can just kind of meet on Zoom and chat and kind of get to know each other and know the situation and see if coaching would be a good fit. Um, but I would love to talk to anybody that would be interested in seeing if um, just having somebody kind of help them, guide them. Um, there, you know, there's always hope with your money because we serve a big God that loves us and loves to do big things for us. So there's always hope. And that's one of the big things I want to offer people is hope. And um, you can have success with your money um, no matter what your circumstances are. Um, so like I said, I would love to do a complimentary con consultation. That's awesome. Well, Terry, um, it was a great having you on and thanks for coming in and filling in this gap that I wouldn't necessarily feel like I'm an expert in. Um, I'm growing in this area. <laughs> um, I think we're doing great, but it's not really my expertise. Um, so well, it sounds you. like it's my yours and you're here. doing a great job with it. Um, so thank you. You too. Thank you. Well, you have a good thank day you. and um, I will talk to you later.